Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast featuring lead pastor Doug Sherman. For more information about Grace Harvest Church, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you as Pastor Doug shares this week's message. Pastor Doug has been taking us through a series in Philippians, the book of Philippians, called Take Heart, a letter to the Philippians. I have the opportunity to share with you the first nine verses of chapter four, and so I want to jump right in and read the text. If you could follow along with me, if you have a Bible, Philippians chapter four, starting in verse one, we'll end at verse nine. And so it says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you. Dear friends, for you are my joy in the crown I receive for my work. Now I appeal to Yoda and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreements. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Such a great text. A great letter uh, as we've been going through Philippians, the reality of a father's heart coming through the letter, a founder's heart, somebody who had great care and concern for the people that were involved in the church in Philippi. Uh, we see that the Apostle Paul has taken us through a journey of expressing his care, concern, um, th- things that need adjusted in the letter, that he was willing to essentially even go there in the hard areas of people's lives in this letter. And so as we jump into chapter 4, verse 1, we see the first three verses, an encouragement, uh, just another greeting. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my crown and joy I receive for my work. And then he appeals to two people. I find this significant that he would appeal to these two people. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. The Apostle Paul, in this part uh, of chapter 4, he starts right up that you guys are, you guys are the best thing in Philippi. Like I, when, when I planted there, I left all you believers who were gathered there. Praise the Lord for you. Thank you. Oh, and by the way, you two people, would you settle your disagreement? Two, this is significant. He names them. And, and he tells him to, to, to work it out, to figure it out. The, the Apostle Paul wasn't above getting right to the issue and, if necessary, sending someone to their aid. 
I love this because it's a good reminder that we have to walk in unity. Amen? Like, like one of the principles that believers are, are called to do is walk in unity. And so as I was reading through this, it, was, it struck me that the Apostle Paul, and, and when I read Scripture... It's, it's a reflection even to my own heart as I'm gazing on it and reading and meditating. It, it begins to work its own process in me. And I, I recognize that, that even as I share with you, I'm no expert in this process. I'm no expert in the process of confrontation or disagreement and working this, things out. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you're, you've got it all worked out. But, but, but anytime I think about this and the Apostle Paul's encouragement to people Hey, I see something wrong over there between you people. Go work it out. My mind immediately goes to, what does that look like? So I had to, I had to undertake some reading on the last few days in this early morning and, and looking through. And I came to conclude that the Apostle Paul uh, in his heart for people gave us a little bit of a pattern just in how he wrote his letters and how he encourage people to, to do. And so we might call it the sandwich method. Maybe you've heard of it. And it starts off something like this. The Apostle Paul regularly, when he had to address something in people's lives, he started with reminding people of their values. So maybe you might be thinking, wow, I got some disagreements with some people. I need to go and, and we need to work it out. I want to encourage you, please do. Please do. And use the scripture as your guide. And so, so here we see he, he rem- always reminded people of their value. It's a value to people. Uh, I love you. Man, you've you walked with us for a while. I, I want to see this worked out. I, I, tell them what they mean to you. This is what he did uh, regularly. And then, and then he, got, he just jumped right in and would get right to the issue. Here's the issue. This is what it is. Like he didn't add much more words. It's just this what it is. And then he ended usually with their value to him again. I want to remind you. I love you. You labored with me. Let's work this out. And so, so thinking about that, his encouragement to them was settle your disagreement and that somebody would go to them, care enough about them to go to them and encourage them that they would work it out. I don't know if you've ever been... Uh, part, and this is a God thing. If somebody cares for you enough where they notice there's, there's a, maybe a break in unity or a break in friendship or there's a disagreement that somebody would go to someone and say, hey, this thing needs worked out. And in fact, if you've ever been part of that process, let me just tell you, it's a God process that you would care enough for people to go to one of the parties and say, would you please figure this out. It's, it, it's the Lord. It's his heart for the believer that, that, they, would, that they would come together and, and be able to talk and work it through. This is, this is the charge that the Apostle Paul does that, and that we would remember an easy process. Just sandwich it in love. If you don't know what to say, but you know there's something wrong, you, you think you might even know the issue, you could start something like this. Hey, I just want to let you know I love you. And, you know, we were good at some point. And then this thing happened. And, and this is my understanding. And I just want to let you know, you, you, are, you are my brother and sister in Christ. And I feel it important that we try and work this thing out. That we, that we get right to it. And I, I love you. And I want to, if you don't know what else to say, start there. 
Open, open the conversation. Because here's the danger. Here's the danger. And we see it. We see the charges in other letters where, where you might be, be in unity with somebody in friendship and walking with. And, and all of a sudden a disagreement arises. And most disagreements are intellectual first. In other words, uh, words are spoken, things are done. But you understand it in the head. And left unresolved, it's like a poisonous root that works its way down and captures your heart, right? I mean, to have, an, to, have a, to have an intellectual disagreement, you might be able to walk away and be like, okay, yeah, high five, knuckle it, work. And then you walk away, and then it begins to percolate, and then it begins to work. But, but when it hits your heart, this is where the dangerous thing happens. It begins to take hold, and you begin to see people or the object of your disagreement in a different light. And many times, the effect of that is you begin to see them in diminished value because you've become bitter or you didn't resolve this thing. Am I the only one? Well, I can speak from experience. Lord, help me. And so the Apostle Paul then says, work it out. Settle it. I ask you, deal with it. We see that unity is the goal in John chapter 17, 20 through 21. It says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This was Jesus' prayer about his people. That the thing that the world would notice that's different about his followers would that they would be in unity. Think about this. That they would work together. They would fellowship together. They would love one another. They would be able to overcome the seemingly big obstacles that maybe culture around would not be able to overcome. Jesus is saying that this, be, this would be the thing that as the world watches. Wow. Look at that group of people right there. Wow, that's cool. I don't know what they got, but, but I... And, and, and because here's the thing. People know people. So in other words, you know you. Think about this for a minute. You know you. You know all the stuff that goes on in your heart and mind. You know. And so when you look at somebody else, you instinctively know, oh, they're human. They're human. They got their own stuff. And then you know the journey of life and the difficulty it is working together with people. Staying in regular and loving community with people that you're, you're, you're glad to see them. Things are working out. And even when you have had a disagreement that you were quick to get right in there and say, this isn't working or we had a misunderstanding. We need to clear this up. I love you. I'm here. I'm going to stay in, in relationship. You know how refreshing that is? You know, refreshing? It's not. It's so different. It's, it's refreshing and it's good for our soul. And Jesus said, Father, that this would be the mark that my people would have on their life. thought about this for a minute and I thought, wow. One of the easy... One of the easy um, illustrations of, of the power of people working in unity. How many of you guys have ever heard of or seen on YouTube maybe or somewhere um, when the Amish get together to build a barn? Some of you know. They get together and build this barn in one day. 
Now, for any of you who know any about that process, they start, I mean, if you've ever put your hand to build something, you know that one day, start to finish, like done, doors shutting, locking, animals in there or whatever, equipment, one day, how did they do it? It's great that people would dwell together in unity, that people would be moving toward the same thing in unity. And when they have disagreements, that they would be willing to work it out Philippians 4, 1 through 3. And then he says in verse, in verse 4 of chapter 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Powerful words, I say it again, rejoice. Be full. He's, he's almost making it sound like it's a choice. Joy is a choice. He's almost making it sound as though, as though happenings don't dictate and determine our state and condition. That right in the midst of whatever is going on, that we are going to be um, eternally hopeful and always looking towards the one who gives joy. And so rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always that we would do this so how do we do that how do we do that when we find ourselves in the midst of life circumstances the routine of life you just live very few days on this earth and you'll realize life will throw everything it can at you and there is much to get discouraged about. There is much to, to look around and to see, oh, that's not going to work out. That doesn't work out. Destruction and problems. And, and there's much. But, but here the Apostle Paul reminds them, be joyful in the Lord. Rejoice. And so I want to read something. So how do we rejoice in the Lord? We rehearse all the benefits of having the Lord as our shepherd, our king, and our savior. Thank you, Lord, for providing all I need for loving me, protecting me, for saving me from sin's penalty, sin's power, and from the power of Satan. Thank you, Lord, for always being with me and helping live life abundantly in any circumstance. Thank you, Lord, that you are all powerful and rule over all. The idea is that we would take an opportunity to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. Um, science has proven that your voice is thousands of times more influential than any other voice. So when you speak, your brain records and files it in the most important place because you said it. And right here is one of those illustrations of the power of your own words telling you where to place your perspective, where to place your hope, where to set your desires that you would continually remind yourself, oh God, you, you did it in the past. Thank you for redeeming, rescuing, renewing. I thank you, God, that you're always faithful. I thank you that you, you are even going to make it even when it seems like in the nick of time. We sing songs that would encourage us to, the, to do that. In fact, one song called Do It Again, we sing here. Um, and it just it simply, your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. I've seen you move, come move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. Simple words that are reminding us, oh God, you've made a way before, and I believe you're going to make a way again. Oh God, you've intervened before, I believe you're going to intervene again. Oh God, you've stirred and moved. One of the greatest miracles that Jesus said you, that would happen is that the heart of man would turn to God in repentance. Lord, you, you've done it before and I believe you're going to do it again. 
Oh God, in my family, you rescue and redeem. And I believe they're going to continue to do it again and again and again. Oh God, you're the provider. I believe you're going to make provision again and again and again. And all of a sudden, when that happens, we begin to lift our eyes from from what we see in the natural. All of a sudden, our eyes lift to, to be reminded of, oh God... You're good and you're gracious and wow, you're wonderful and you're excellent. Oh God, you're good. And we begin to utter words that then our mind begins to file. Oh, wow. Important, important, important. First, first read, first read, first read. Your master boot record right here. First thing that pops up. Perspective. That the Apostle Paul says rejoice. In fact, in Nehemiah... 810, as they were getting together and Ezra was getting ready to read the law, he says, he says, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That right here that Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord because he knew that that reminder of, of keeping our perspective and our, and our attitude of, of saying, oh Lord, we're in you. Nehemiah had told the Israelites thousands of years before the joy of the Lord Our ability to to rejoice over and over and over is our strength. Amen. Is our strength. And so so then he goes on to say, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Another translation says, let your reasonableness be made known to others. So in addition to rejoicing, Paul encouraged the readers of the letter to be made known to to be who are gentle people, patient people, everything in moderation, even moderation. This is the, the meaning of the Greek word. I just spell it out, E-P-I-E-I-K-E-S. It's translated being reasonable. Christians are not to be seen as easily angered or foolish, but rather reasonable, wise people who can handle difficulties and disagreements with maturity. Let, let your reasonableness, your, your ability to take time to understand and to, to articulate and, and reason and work with and, and, and see above the issue and, and around it and, and be willing to, to navigate it in, in peace and unity. This was, this was the heart of Paul and a request for the believers and how we deal with one another, our dealings with one another, how we interact with the world around us. That we would be people who would have a reputation of being reasonable. I know some of us are in process. We're working through that. And we're working in that. And we're, we're coming to a place that, that, that in our lives, getting a hold of these things. Remember, this was a father writing a letter while in prison. A founder, an apostle, one who had set up this place. Really, the idea is that he was writing a letter to hope for the best and to fix what he saw needed adjustments. I love you guys in Philippi. You guys are the crown and joy, beautiful people, awesome people. I sit here and change, but I'm writing to you to let you know. Here's a couple things that I want to encourage you in the faith in. Here's a couple things that I want to, I want to propel you into, into more of the goodness of God. Just, just get a, a few of these things right. And you know that when, when, when fathers are, or give instruction or, or, or our founders of, of, of businesses look to how they build, they're always trying to, what is best and what is, what is, what is the thing so we can, we can last a long time. It will grow. It will build. It will be healthy. And the apostle Paul here was, was in Christ saying a couple things. 
Perspective. Disagreements. We got to deal with those. But perspective. Come on, keep your eyes on the Lord. Get it. Let's take care of how we interact with people. And remember, the end of verse 5, remember the Lord is coming soon. I I love this because this is something that we see in the letters uh, to to the um, Christians early on. That we sometimes it's really easy in our culture now to forget that we are looking forward to a day that Christ is returning again. Amen. Like this is one of our hopes. It's why we, we participate. Participate in communion. One of the aspects is that is that we're remembering what Jesus did, the work that he did on the cross, but that and that he rose again, but that one day he is returning again. It would be though as uh, we're in regular conversation. And we're just living our life and we're just do, doing our thing and we just, you know, talking. And in the midst of the conversation, we just insert things like this. Well, praise the Lord, he's returning one day. That's what we're looking for. Can you imagine if our lingo began to incorporate like what we see even in the letters? Jesus is returning one day. This is our hope. This, this is not our permanent home. The Lord is returning again. Remember. Hey, remember. Don't lose heart. Remember. Don't lose heart. Remember. Jesus is returning again. He's encouraging them. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. And then Probably one of the most highlighted verses, actually, there's several in this text, in all of the Amazon Kindle library. (laughs) Don't be anxious for anything. Do not worry. These, These are calming words from the Apostle Paul, right? Don't worry about a thing. But here we see the Apostle Paul saying, wait a minute, and actually the word is translated... Worry or anxious, you could worry or anxious. The Bible simply means a mind that is divided. A mind that's divided. Apostle Paul is saying, don't worry, don't be anxious. The, the, the idea of a mind is divided is you have your present circumstances on one hand with what you see, what you can touch, everything about the senses on one side. And on the other side, everything intellectually that you've come to understand, you've read, you've, it's been articulated. These are the theological and doctrine and everything and how things work. And then you've got what you experience and see and, and right in the middle... Worry and anxiousness is when we haven't laid hold to the things that we've learned. And we haven't, and we're, we're, so it's the mind that's unable to grasp. We're just free-floating on and not landing on the principles that we've come to understand. The Apostle Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Because he's got the antidote. He's saying, hey, wait a minute. In other words, no need to worry because I'm about to tell you what you should be doing. No need to worry or be anxious because here's the answer. And the answer is that instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, this doesn't mean that we let go of our concerns about things. It doesn't mean that we don't take things uh, with their utmost importance. It doesn't mean that we get careless. But instead, it means that, that, that we are going to understand that we are not in control of hardly anything. Do we understand that? And, but there is one who is. There's one who is. And that we weren't designed as humans to carry all of the feelings of we are the answer or we're the solution that many times, are, many times issues and circumstances are far beyond what we can, we can do. And we need his intervention. 
we can pass it through. How do we do it? Father, you know my life and you know the condition. You know the state of my soul, even right in my spirit. I'm just all worked up about things. You see what's going on. I need your provision. I need you to make a way and an answer. I've seen you do it in the past. Would you do it again? Or whatever your scenario is, that we, that we give it even the answer. And thank you, God, because I know you can. And if what I'm asking for isn't the answer, Lord, your will be done. Your will be done. That your answer would be the perfect solution to the thing that is roiling my heart. That is wrecking my mind. It's like I can't, Lord, I, I give it to you right now. See, 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 the thing that in life Paul is addressing is the very thing that the human condition is seeking. And that's to know peace. Right? It's to know peace. That that settling place that we can just be, be known, be made known, and right here in the midst, just peace. People spend thousands of dollars and do many programs and read books and go to seminars, and hey, some of that may be fantastic and understanding. But right here, the Apostle Paul is saying, man... Being in that state and condition is not good for you. Pray, peoples. Pray. Give it to the Lord. Open up your heart. Open up your life. Open up your mind. Tell it that it relies on the Lord. And so then he says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love this part. I love this part because the truth is we desire peace. And many times it really is about getting it out of our heart and mind. Many times we feel like we're just a ship at sea. We got all this stuff and trying to figure out, oh, I got to get it out. I got I to get it out. Well, sometimes it means that you might go to a brother and sister and you talk with them and you just... Let it out. And sometimes it means you walk away after those encounters and you feel really good. Has that ever happened to you? Like you just feel like, wow, I just got a weight off my shoulders. The principal part of that was that you got it out. You got it out. You were able to, oh man, all this churning of the waters of my heart. I got it. I got it out. But there's sometimes you just can't articulate it to people. And the beauty about talking to the Lord is, man, it doesn't always have to make sense. I don't always have to make the perfect sentences. I don't have to have my grammar correct with the Lord. It's just he knows the issues of my heart. And I can talk with him and I can let it out. Say, Lord, you know, you know, help. I don't even know what's wrong with me. Many times that's the case. Many times we can't always pinpoint. And maybe times it's multiple things all hitting around the same time. Maybe I created the mess. Maybe others did, but I'm responding to it. It's like, Lord, I need you, and I'm giving it to you because what I really need is your peace. I need that settling of my spirit in a supernatural way that's far beyond anything I can understand. For instance, I know right now, maybe, maybe one of you, you're walking through something really heavy or, or just really scattered, really... <clears throat> tumultuous, but you know that the Lord has you. And because of that, 
you're settled. It's a miraculous thing. It's one of the mysteries of God as we walk in, as we walk in journey with him. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love this. Word pictures are powerful for me, but I always, uh, every time I read this text, I think of, I think of, and I don't even remember from first service. Um, if you've ever watched the movie Thor, and the guy who guards the end of the road with the giant sword that you turn, I don't know, what's his name? Okay, you probably never watched the movie. I don't know. But anyways, I know. But he stands there at the end of the, at the, end of the road, and he's kind of the gatekeeper. And, I, and, you know, he can see in this movie, see everything. But, but it reminds me of one, like, Lord, you're going to guard our mind and our heart. Your peace is going to guard me as I give everything to you. Wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine letting him do? It's, the battle's the Lord's anyways, right? Everything about this, like me coming into relationship with him and, and recognizing, I'm not in control, Lord, you've got this now. I'm praying, you do everything. And Lord, your peace that surpasses all understanding, I want that. And I would like you to do what it is that that does. Guard my mind. Guard my heart. Be, be the thing that patrols. Be the thing that intercepts all the, all the messages that come through in the day. And, and be the filter, the righteous filter that would, that would protect and, and watch over me. We trust in you. And then he says, one, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I love that charge. Have you ever noticed that what you fix your gaze on is what consumes you? Have you ever noticed that? Like whatever you give your attention to in your mind, the condition, of the time that you allot to, it's what, it's what begins to consume you. Think about this. The Apostle Paul is saying, whatever is good, whatever is good out there, think on those things. Think about the time we live and the access to instant media or music, whatever form of, of interaction that, that it can be on and off all the time. It's right at our fingertips all the time. Not all of it good, not all of it pleasing, not all of it honorable, not all of it uplifting, not all of it hope-filled. Think about, think about in this day and age of a like 24-hour news cycle or instantaneous social media. Not all of it that would encourage and, and set our minds on, wow, God, you're good. I'm really saying that we should be using uh, the elements of the scripture to filter even what we watch and listen to and how we engage with culture. Whatever is good and whatever fits this, because whatever you give your mind to, your, whatever comes in the eye gates, the ear gates, is what begins to churn in the waters of your heart and mind. And the Apostle Paul, now I recognize he's dealing with a different time. I don't know what it was like to live there and, and whatever the issues were there that they would give, but, but humans are humans. There, there, there's, there's distracting stuff that goes all the time with just being with people, right? And not all of it's good. Not all of it's good. The word about people and circumstances is not always good. And so, so he's saying here, wait, whatever is good, whatever's righteous, whatever's hope-filled, think on those things. 
that we would act on thinking on him. You see, this is a work, a discipline, a challenge. Always remembering wherever you go, whatever you do, using that as a filter. And in fact, in Romans 8, 6, the apostle Paul wrote, he said, so letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So we know if we read through the gospels and the letters that there's a tension that happens within us and it's this war of, of good and bad or the flesh and the spirit, whatever the Lord would have us to do and this raging um, base nature that, that always tries to pull to satisfy the desires of self. And, and so the Apostle Paul is encouraging, if you let that rule, it will lead you to no good. But if you let the Spirit of God lead you, it will lead you to life in righteousness. And so there's this contrast here, and Paul later in Philippians is saying, here is one of the ways. Think on good things. Ponder good things. Let it cultivate something inside of you that would stir hope and faith in Jesus Christ in you. Amen? Then he says, Philippians 4.9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I believe this morning there's some of you that encounter with the God of peace is your portion this morning. Would you stand with me?